0: We are in a year of radical discipleship. This month, we were talking about prayer and fasting, a month set aside where we're just going to intentionally focus on God. Could you imagine, as people, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, could you imagine if we prioritize God for just one year of our life, decisions that we make, activities that we engage in? belief systems that we allow to stay around what if we prioritize god for one year of our life well This month we're getting into that conversation of just radical devotion The best way to become radically devoted to god is to talk to him on a regular basis So we're talking about prayer and fasting and actually if you have the book starving and you read it You should know that today for those who are joining in on this starts a media fast Now, some of us, that's difficult to do because part of our job is to be on social media, to interact, get the gospel out, things like that. But I know in my life, I've decided that this week, how many have ever just gotten on and done the scroll? You don't even know what you're looking for or looking at, but you're just kind of scrolling. And for me, I thoroughly enjoy that. And the weird thing is, usually the scroll brings me something I enjoy that I didn't know I was going to enjoy. And here's an example. How many have ever been on, let's just say, Facebook, you're scrolling through, and all of a sudden someone is trimming the hoof of a horse? (laughs) I didn't know that I wanted to know how to do this. And I didn't know I'd be fascinated by watching it. But I can tell you now, somehow when I'm scrolling through the horse getting its hoof off, I get hooked on it. Here's another one for you. Tell me if this is you. Have you ever been scrolling through and there's a little video of my neighbor had overgrown grass, so I thought I'd clean it up for him. And all of a sudden, they're out there with like a weed eater cleaning up grass and shoveling off the sidewalk. It looks like I'm the only one on this one. Or not. Okay. Or how about anyone who's cleaned those carpets? Have you seen that one? It is satisfying. I don't know what is satisfying. But to watch you put this dirty thing down and start scrubbing and then putting this and a little carpet cleaner back and forth. Like I get hooked on these things. But I will tell you the one thing that I missed when I was a child, and that's info commercials. There's a chance info commercials are still out there. I just don't have basic cable in any sort, so I don't see it anymore. I'm one of those online guys. Sorry to disappoint you, anyone. So I still like the old Info commercials that not only can this knife cut through a brick. Because I know when I'm cooking, I need to either cut through a book brick or slice this tomato. I'd like to point out my fingers are nice and I'm protecting my fingertips. See that? Like, I love that. What about this one? All you have to do is set it and forget it, right? But wait, There's more. Right, And every time they said there was more, I was thinking, it can't get better than this. But it got better than this because not only did I get one knife, I got two ginsu knives. And I was excited about that. So I can cut a brick and a tomato at once. I loved it. I always felt like I I enjoyed getting more than what I was expecting. So this morning, I'm going to be an info commercial. Just one in now. It's going to be high energy and we're going to get moving. Why? Because it's not one sermon that you're going to get. It's not two sermons you're going to get it's not even three sermons wait there's There's more more. i have four sermons for you this morning so if you don't like one wait four minutes there's another one coming and here's why I'm, i'm not the guy i don't this is not me i don't think i preach on a regular basis this is what you get from god I just I that's not my model. That's not my style. It's not what I grew up with But I have to say when we're talking about the subject of prayer, you have to understand there are things you get from god And so you have to understand the power of prayer not prayer just in the moment But prayer before the moment And so this morning, let's talk about this prayer gives you peace in the middle of the storm how many, this is, I love this question because everyone's going to raise your hand. Everyone online right now, you got to type yes, you got to throw a hand up. How many have ever been in the middle of a storm you didn't ask for, didn't want, and would do anything to get out of? I have a, I have a guarantee for you. Ready for this? You can find peace in the middle of your storm. It is a promise of prayer. It's actually what Jesus teaches us. You may not know the story, but Jesus got on the boat. We find it in Matthew chapter 8. He gets in this boat. He's going across. And as they go across, uh, a tsunami, a a tornado, a hurricane, while you name the storm, it comes up upon the boat. And every one of the disciples are freaking out, thinking they're going to die. And Jesus was so worried about this moment. You know what he was doing? He was sleeping but wait, there's more. Jesus is sleeping. The disciples, they go down, they wake him up and they woke him up by saying this in verse 25. They said, Lord, save us. We're going to die. We're going to drown. We're going overboard. There's no way we can possibly make this. So Jesus, I need you in the middle of my crisis to match my worry. Isn't that what most of our prayers are about? Jesus, don't you understand the energy that I'm putting out right now? And if you loved me, you would match my concern. But what we should do is recognize that when you're stressed out, Jesus is probably asleep. Not because there's not a problem. It's because we don't understand the power of prayer in our life because we are more focused on the storm around us versus the Jesus that's in us. And so Jesus wakes up and he goes... I promise you, if, I, if it was Jesus, I would have paused just long enough to long, yawn. Sorry, Jesus had an eye booger, and he took care of that. <laughs> before, yes, Jesus had eye boogers. He slept too. But Jesus was so worried about their, oh, that's right, you guys have little faith. Storm's still going. Rain's still dropping. And Jesus never passed up a moment to have a good teaching lesson. And he said to them, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? So then he got up. At this point, he wasn't even up and moving yet. He got up, he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it completely calmed. And this is what I want to say. If you have prayer, it braces the external storm so that you can have internal peace. Storms are going to happen in your life, and if, you're, if you go to a church long enough and they say follow Jesus and nothing bad's coming your way, I just want to let you know, they may be liars, or they just may be wrong, or they may be foolish, but however it is, storms will come your way. Tough times will come your way. Drama will come your way. The difference is when we have peace, it's because ahead of the storm, we found a place to rest with Jesus. The storm is meant to show you what your prayer life is without the storm. Anyone is a prayer in the middle of the storm. But the question is, is your prayer life so filled you that when the storm hits, you can go, oh, I can sleep on this one. See, we normally turn to God in the middle of the storm, but what he wants to say is, no, I'm going to reveal how much of me is in you when the storm hits. And it, if you are in a place of your life, you need to find prayer. But most of us, our prayer life is, uh, uh, I, I wrote it this way, I want to say this. Most of us suffer from a misplaced prayer life. And here's what I mean by that. Most of us, when storms of life hit, we immediately call our pastor, we immediately call our friend. We immediately get on social media to post about it. We immediately to Google it to find out what the symptoms are and what I need to do to overcome it. We immediately turn to everything else. And the thing is, that is a prayer life. The problem is you're putting your faith in something greater than God. At some point, our prayer life needs to be directed to him. This is where we find peace. This is where we find rest. This is where in the middle of the storm, rather than freaking out, you can find rest. And so what does prayer do to you? It gives you peace in the middle of your storm. But it does so much more than that. It also delivers us from others. It's deliverance for other people. And why do I say that? Deliverance for others. Matthew 17, verses 14 through 23. You have Jesus who's coming out from the Mount of Transfiguration at this point. As he comes down, he runs into a dad that starts talking about his son. And he said, Lord, have mercy on my son. Verse 15, Matthew 17. He said he has seizures and he suffers greatly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. And so it's interesting because, one... There's times in our life where we don't understand that we've already been blessed by God. And how many times did he throw himself in a fire? Why isn't he burnt up? How many times have he thrown himself in the water, but yet he's not drowned? And so now this guy has been going to the disciples and going to the disciples and going to disciples. Or let's say it in 2023, ready for this? You have something going on in your life. There's someone else in your life that something's going on with them. And let's just use this word, trying not to freak anybody out, but this is the reality. It is probably, possibly, maybe, perhaps, demonic in its very nature, attacking you. How many, and by the way, this may feel weird for some of you, but you'll see by the show of hands, How many people would in here say that I feel like I've faced a demonic attack before? And here's what all of us need to hear. At some point, you don't need to take your problem to another believer. You need to take your problem straight to Jesus. And I love you, but I have wondered for years now, when someone calls and asks for a meeting with me, I wonder if I'm allowed to say this. How much time in prayer have you spent before you come talk to me? Because here's the thing, I think a lot of times we want to come to the pastor because he has the magic prayer line straight to God. But the fact is, I have a prayer life to God. Yes, that's true. But not all the time are you supposed to jump on my bandwagon. You're supposed to make your own. And so the disciples are dealing with this guy. The demon's not coming out of this kid. The dad is trying to figure out what's going on. And the best thing for the dad to do is take it straight to Jesus. In your life, when it comes to deliverance, maybe we need to stop talking about everything else and all, every, everything else around it, and maybe we should just start taking those things straight to Jesus. Because now, the day I took it, gave and brought his disciples and said I couldn't heal him, the disciples couldn't hear it heal him, but in verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus, and the disciples said this, why couldn't we drive it out? Okay, so just so you guys know that all of us are in the, same par, in the same place the disciples are. How many have ever had a place in your life where you prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing changed? And you ask this question, why didn't my prayer work? We're in the same arena as the disciples here. And then Jesus says this. See, many of us would look at those prayer life as failures. But I think failure only happens when you stop asking why. Because they came to Jesus and said, I did the prayer, and I even did this. Our Father who art in heaven, whoa, oh, oh, he's jumping in the water. Get him out, try him off. How would be his name? Oh, he's jumping in fire. Pat him down. Drop and roll. Okay, great. Like, we did your prayer, and Jesus said this. You, you're only going to fail if you don't ask the question, how can I learn from this shortcoming? And this is where Jesus taught his disciples something that all of us need to hear, especially in this month of January. He said, this thing that you're facing is a level up from where you currently are. This type of demonic activity comes out through prayer and fasting. Because most of us, and I'm putting me in this category, okay? This is is not me pointing a finger at you, trying to make you feel bad about yourself. Most of us have a very good Sunday morning church prayer life. And let me say this, there's gonna be places in your life where your Sunday morning prayer life, your fast food driving through prayers are not enough for the breakthrough that you're desiring. You have to, can I say it this way, you have to level up as a follower of Jesus Christ. And by leveling up, it means you practice when you're outside of the situation that you're currently facing. Because, right, it would be full. If I said to you guys, I, wanna, I want you to practice being a skydiver, and I just take you up in a plane and I throw you out. And you go, this is how I want to practice skydiving? I don't know how to swim. Well, let me take you to the ocean, and I'll throw you in the deepest part I can find. No, no, no. Let's practice in the shallows. Let's practice on the ground. So that when these demonic things come our way, when these hard things come our way, when the storms of life come our way, our prayer life is already positioned and postured for the promises that God has given us. And so it brings deliverance from others. One of the things that I I saw on page 105 of our reading, when it comes to prayer, see, the deliverance for others, I put this here on page 105, it said, Many people assumed pretending to draw near to God was the same thing as actually drawing near to God. It would be one thing if I just stood up here all the time and say, guys, you need to be a praying church. But I myself never prayed. I would have the appearance of. But you know what? I'm actually no closer to Jesus. Jesus when it comes to fasting and maybe i'm a little hungry and all of a sudden i'm looking horrible and i'm distressed and i'm letting everyone know that i'm on a fast i'm not actually drawing anywhere closer to jesus i'm actually drawing closer to the broken soul in my life that is just demanding attention from everyone around me and so we pray so number number 3 what is the next thing that we can find as a promise of the power of prayer and it's this Through the prayer, we can find strength to submit to God's process. How many, when you saw the book this past week and it talked about drinking more water, cutting out sugar, Daniel fast, media fast, how many of you went, yes, that's what I was hoping for, a greater restriction to my physical life, because that sounds fun. Here's the thing we have to understand. Our life is full of fleshly desires and the fact is, my flesh is the number one thing that's inhibiting me from getting closer to God. I know I want to say that it's Satan himself, but the truth is, I'm not even on Satan's radar. Well, it could be a demonic thing. That may be true. There's some familiar spirits trying to mess with you. But I promise you, most of the dysfunctional things that are happening in my life, it's because it happens between my two ears first. And when I say, That at the end of the month, I want to invite you as a church to come into a three-day fast with us. And by the way, I've already said, for my wife and I, it is water only for three days as we push into God. I've actually been praying, and I think right now this is my brain, not God's brain. I almost wondered if on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday of those weeks, we just have the church building open for a 14-hour period every day. To just come in and pray, and just come in and pray. You know, I, I have all these things I'm wrestling with, but do you know why I don't want to have the building open for 14 hours and pray? That seems like a lot of work. To have people around, for myself to be around, to have music going, in order to set up security, all that, it just seems like a lot of work. I know there's places in my life that I clearly still turn to, I'll tell you what it is, it's sweets. When I have this desire in my life, it is easier to make a chocolate chip pancake with a half a stick of butter and way too much syrup month someone say amen with me anybody one two three thank you like it's easy to get that dopamine hit from that sugar intake than I say then to stop and to submit in the process but the one thing that Jesus shows us out of Matthew chapter 26 is that everybody can fall prey to our flesh if we let our flesh run amok so Jesus going a little further he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed my father Is it possible that this cup be taken from me, but not my will? So this is Jesus in the garden before he's going to the cross. He is telling God, if there's any other way for you to handle this sin nature that's on the whole world, take this cup from me. What is it? The cup of judgment. All the sins that have been, are, and will be coming. The sin that separates God from humanity. The sin that put all of creation underneath the curse. The same sin where the earth, it says, groans and travails for the apocalyptic of men to come about. The revealing of what it was created for. Jesus is now sitting here and goes, I don't want to do the thing that God's calling me to. That is another way to read this scripture. And you go, that's not what he actually said. Actually, it is. Because then he returned to his disciples in verse 40. He found them asleep. Why? Because they had more interested in their flesh than what God was doing in the spirit. And he said, couldn't you keep watch with me just for one hour? Guys, you have to hear me. My flesh is in overdrive. And all of us have felt that before, where you know in your head what you should do, but your flesh is driving you to do something else. Jesus is in this place where he says my flesh is in overdrive watch and pray that you do not fall into temptation why because my spirit is willing but this flesh nature that I deal with on a daily basis that thing's weak Jesus continues on then he went away for the second time And he prayed, my father, is it possible to do this thing any other way than what we currently have planned? Because I know I sat around before the foundations of the earth, uh, Revelation 12, where it says the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. I know that I sat around with you and I said, as your son, I will go to the cross and nail myself there. But I'm now sitting here in the moment that you've called me to. And for a second time, I'm coming back to you to say, is there any other way that we can do this? In that, he then came back and once again found his disciples asleep because their eyes were very heavy. But don't worry. Jesus is fine. He's the God. He's the creator. Everything's good within his soul. And it says that Jesus went away. And for a third time, he said the same thing. God, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. But what Jesus is trying to teach to us is the cross was made to crucify our flesh. But the garden is where we strengthen our spirit. In your prayer life is where you strengthen your spirit. Away from the crowds is where you strengthen your spirit. In a conversation with your God is where you strengthen your spirit. In the garden all alone is where you strengthen your spirit. You wonder why the things that you've been wrestling with for so long you can't get over. It's because you're trying to get over something that you haven't prepared your spirit for. And none of us will have the strength to climb on a cross and say, make sure to spread me wide and drive those nails deep if our prayer life isn't to the thing of God. Sacrifice the flesh that keeps me from connecting with you. I think, how do I want to say this without over-dramatizing it? There may be times as follow, how do I, let me just say it. And I could be wrong here. We as church leaders, there's a chance we've put in too much of an emphasis on the cross and not enough emphasis on the garden. We make Good Friday about the beating. We make it about the whip. We make it about the thorns. We make it about the mockery. But is there a chance Good Friday is good because of the garden? In this place all alone, as the dew is still on the roses, that he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. And I can do this because I tarry right here. Like no other, I know. We have to put an emphasis on the garden time, and the garden time is where we sacrifice the flesh way before we crucify it. I cannot pray enough for you to have the strength to crucify the thing that God is trying to get rid of. It's only you in that secret place that comes to him and says, I know I'm supposed to, help me where I'm weak and you can go back to your accountability group and it doesn't matter what they're doing, you have to go back into that garden and say, talk to me. Walk with me. God, because right now I'm feeling all alone. The garden, your prayer life, is the place where you find strength to submit To God's process it can't be my prayers it can't be corporate prayers it has to be yours and then the final thing that I believe that prayer does for us it pardons us from our guilt and our shame I think it was yesterday's reading on page 133 when it comes to forgiveness Forgiveness, I would say, either to ourself or forgiveness that we're holding back from someone else. Page 133 of our book says this, to withhold forgiveness is nothing less at a heart level than practicing slavery. If you have unforgiveness in your life, you are a slave to sin and death. But God is crucifying things for you to be free sons and daughters. And Jesus, this very interesting story we see in Luke chapter 5, you've probably heard this story before. There were a couple guys trying to get a paralytic man in to see Jesus, knowing that they needed healing to come to this body. The, everything is so full. The area is so compact that the only thing they could do was take this paralytic man, walk him up to the ceiling, and begin doing property damage. I don't know how else to say it than that. They started tearing up this guy's roof. I don't know how big a hole, but I'm thinking they needed to at least fold up pinch through and expand, paralytic man, to then drop him down. They drop this man down in front of Jesus, and we see this in Luke chapter 5, verse 20. Jesus is now dealing with a guy who is sick, physically sick. And what has Jesus said to him? He said, when Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the men, the faith of the guy who's now in front of him, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. If I was that guy, I would have looked at him and said, yeah, dude, my legs don't work. Like, I, I appreciate you forgiving me of my sins, but I'd rather be walking right now. And what Jesus, I believe, is showing us is that so often we focus on the fruit of the problem where he wants to deal with the root of the problem. And all these Pharisees are sitting around Jesus at this time, and they just, who is this man that can forgive sins? And Jesus, I love this question. He goes, what do you think is easier? I'm just, I'm just curious. Like, you think it's easy to say your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk? And Jesus and by the way, I'm not been put these scriptures up because I want you to hear it the way that I read it. And Jesus looked at him and he goes, But I can do both. Tada. Tada is a Hebrew word mean to bring shock and awe and so but since we're actually in Aramaic at this time that joke doesn't work and I'm enough fun in order to ruin my own joke and so Jesus says to him what is more difficult to do to forgive the sin or to heal the person from their sickness but what you guys don't understand is there is a chance the infirmities that you're facing are completely tied into the sin that you're dealing with it's crazy How we as a people are so focused of what we put in our mouth so that we can be two pounds less so those jeans that you paid too much for, you can still fit in to without laying on the bed, grabbing a hanger, trying to get that zipper up and you just fear, you fear that you're, because you've read the book, and you've increased your water intake, and you know that today at work, you're going to pee 12 times before noon. Is there anyone else that's been drinking your amount of water? I love that when I say, hey, can we have an hour meeting? And in the ha- hour meeting, I set a five-minute break halfway through, because I know that my spirit is willing, but my bladder is weak. And so... <laughs> We'll do all these things to feel better ourselves physically, to look a little better, and we focus on what we're putting, I'm not eating that, that has red dye number two in it, (laughs) but yet we never focus on what we put into our soul. How much toxicity do we take in every single day into our soul, and then we wonder why We don't physically feel well. Is there a chance our body, and by the way, when I say is there a chance, I'll give you an insight. Yes. But is there a chance our physical body merely mirrors or reflects that which our soul is going through? I remember a story. It was when my mom, I want to say it was when she turned 50 years old. See, my mom's born on Christmas Day. And we always try to do something special for her. But on this year, we intentionally were going to do something. It's her big 50th. And she was telling all of us, she's not turning 50. She's not turning 50. She's not turning 50. And all of us felt bad for her because, well, you are. (laughs) The calendar says so. Like, you can't stop time. You know, father time is undefeated, right? Guarantee you'll die and guarantee you're going to get a year older on your birthday. Mom just said it over and over. I'm not going to turn 50, not going to turn 50, not going to turn 50. As we got closer, something interesting happened. My mom rarely gets sick. And if she gets sick, like when she got COVID, we would check in with all the time. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. It wasn't until after the fact that she told us that her um, oxygen levels were, I want to say, high 70s, low 80s, which, by the way, anything below 90, just get to the hospital, right? And then she informed us that during this COVID season, she said to God, this may be my time. Wait, you had a prayer about God, to God about dying, and you didn't think you should do an FYI to us kids? Like, so mom doesn't get sick, and when she gets, she downplays it. But going into her 50th birthday, she declared she's not turning 50. She declared she's not turning 50. As she got to the 50th birthday, it was the sickest we as a family have ever seen her. And she realized that she brought a verbal curse upon herself. Now, you may not agree with that. You may not believe that's possible. I would encourage you to try it on your own, but I wouldn't invite that type of demonic activity into my life. But it is amazing how our physical bodies can respond to a spiritual belief. And when it comes to the pardoning of guilt and sin in your life, it is through prayer that God reveals something deep inside of you that you didn't know was a problem, but for him, it's an open door for the enemy to bring death and disease into your life. God will work through legal grounds to close doors to enemy and sickness so that we can have the fullness of what he's called us to. And it happens in your prayer life. I love when I start, like let's just say a fast like this month, and I have all these plans of what I'm going to work on, and then all of a sudden, in prayer, I hear God tell me, do this. And I've even thought, like, that's not a problem, and why am I focusing on it? But somehow, after I focus on that, and not all these other, can I just say this, soul issues that I know I'm dealing with, these peripheral things that I'm aware of, but somehow, When I work on just the thing that God's called me to, by the way, am I I the only one here that knows this to be true? Somehow you work on something that you never even saw was a problem, but the moment God starts dealing with you on that, all of a sudden these other things that are leached onto you, attached to you, all of a sudden you deal with this one thing and then you turn and you go, wait a second, where are they? Well, God took off the hook, not the chain. And there could be times in your prayer life as you're going about that you're going to start repenting for something you didn't know about. You're going to repent for abuse that was done to you. You're going to repent for an action that you had said or words that you have spoken, and you don't know why, and here's why. God is trying to pardon you from your sin and guilt in order for you to have the freedom that your spirit man craves for. So today, there is no major altar call. Today is just thoughts for you as you continue in the month of January of prayer and fasting. And here's a couple things. Number one, if you are having, you know what, let's do this. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to talk this again. Let's pray this. If you're here and you need prayer, if you're in our online community and you're just in a, one of these places right now, I, bow your head, look at me. I don't care. Let's just get into an attitude of prayer right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for anyone that is here that is in the middle of the storm. That life has come up. There's the waves are overtaking their bow. They're doing everything they can in order to, if I can say this, to bail them out themselves out of this storm that they're in. God, they can't do it anymore. I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ, peace in the middle of their storm. Let them see you in their boat already. Right now, even as I'm praying that, someone's mind, you are more focused on the situation that I'm praying against than you are for the Jesus that I'm inviting into it. I need you to silence, in your mind right now, out of your mouth, you may need to say this, I silence that storm in the name of Jesus. I silence that doctor's report. I silence the attack. I silence the hostility coming my way. You need to say, I silence it right now. Now, Jesus, I'm getting closer to you. Because if you're still feeling anxiety, that means you're moving towards the storm, not your Savior. But God, right now, I pray for peace in the middle of the storm. I pray for those of us personally, or those that we're in contact with, that they are needing of deliverance. And yes, I am using that word. There has been a demonic attack upon them in their life right now, and they continue to throw themselves into dangerous places. God, we're tired of bringing this situation to anybody else. We don't need a pastor. We don't need a priest. We don't need a bishop. We don't need an elder. Holy Spirit, we need you and you alone. We bring that situation to Jesus Christ right now. If you're here right now and this is a prayer for you, I need you to take your hands and I need you to have them in a little ball right now. And in the name of Jesus, you're just gonna open that hand up and you're gonna hand it to your Savior. God, we bring them to you right now in the name of Jesus. Every place in our life where we are, if I can say it this way, God, we refuse to crucify our flesh on that cross. Holy Spirit, we submit to your process right now. Maybe it's been lackadaisical in your reading. Maybe it's hearing this thing about prayer, but you've never engaged. Possibly it's been something that God has been saying to you forever, and you even feel yourself getting more distant from God because of this situation. You're trying to blame God, but the fact is, deep down inside, you know that you need to be broken. God, I pray for our willingness to submit to your process in this situation so that we can... grow closer to you. Now, God, all these places, the hidden sins in our life, the lies, the deceit that we continue to carry around. We tell everybody that things are good, but deep down inside, we know that we're holding on to this guilt, this shame. We have become slaves to unforgiveness as we have enslaved people in our unforgiveness. God, right now, we repent for that in the name of Jesus. God, we want freedom in these places. Jesus, you didn't die so that we could carry around our own sin. You died so that we can be free. We, right now, we embrace the fullness of the crucifixion. If you're here right now and you don't know what I mean by that, let me take just 60 seconds to explain it. The communion that we did earlier today, the song that we sang and now this story all leads to the same thing. There was a day that our God stepped out of heaven, clothed himself in flesh so that he was a man. All the pressures that you feel, all the weight of the world that you've had to over, uh, overcome, he overcame it to the point where he willingly put himself on a cross to die for our sins. And today you can be washed white as snow. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, I'm just telling you, no one's looking around. It's just you and I. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, could you do me a favor? Raise your hand in the air and say, today's the day that I want to say yes to him. Today's the day that I want that freedom. If you're online, they could be putting it in the chat. There's a chance of tabs popping up in front of you. But could I ask you to say this prayer with me and everyone else here right now? Say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, today is the day that I want to be washed as white as snow. Forgive me of my sins. Become Lord of my life. And I submit to your ways. God, I thank you for every hand that went up, every decision that was made, every heart that turned to you today. And I say, God, that all of us begin journeying in this radically devoted life by taking our next step in a growing relationship with you. And that could be from parting our guilt and shame, peace in the middle of a storm, deliverance from others, or submitting in a process. Lord, we, Holy Spirit, we just want more of you. Come and speak to us on this day. Come on, in Jesus' name we pray. How many received that freedom today? How many received those promises? How many received those blessings?